0: Okay, uh, Brent Leary once again back at Inbound 16 and sitting to a guy with a guy that I've actually, I've seen the, the rise and the growth of uh, HubSpot From since it was just you and, and Brian. Yep. So I'm sitting here with Dharmesh Shah who is the co-founder of uh, HubSpot and the chief technology officer. Uh, first of all, I remember the very first Inbound. I think, and I actually spoke, I had an opportunity to speak at it, so like a couple hundred people. So I think at this one, I heard the number is 19,000 people. So there's been a lot of things that have taken place over the last 10 years. What's the biggest thing since you started HubSpot with Brian uh, over the last 10, 10 years, what's been the biggest thing that maybe surprised you the most about marketing and what you've done in marketing how people have kind of... Gravitated to some of the things that you put out there. Yeah, um,
1: the biggest—I'll call it a surprise, for lack of a better term—but how um, global kind of the underlying fundamental philosophy of inbound marketing is. So when we started talking about it here in the United States, you know, a decade ago, uh, the thing that gave uh, Brian and some confidence in HubSpot and the company is like, oh, people were nodding their heads. Like he would say, "Hey, like the scam thing—it's not going to work out that well." This whole—and um, it was—it was an observation, right? The company was very young, uh, and. What we found, though, is that as we go to Europe, as we go to Asia, as we go to Latin America, as we go, you know, with that same kind of core message all over the world, we have that same nodding of heads, right? Like, people are like, yep, that makes sense. I'm not exactly sure what to do about it, but that makes sense to me. And so I think it's a kind of fundamental human thing. Uh, So I don't think it's a particularly kind of big leap. I think we're surprised by how quickly people just agree with the philosophy now they may disagree with the tactics underlying it or so what mix should be inbound versus outbound that we can have debates around but uh, that's been a big and a gratifying surprise like okay this is not just you
0: know not just Boston not just the United States it's a global movement so uh, I sat in the keynote it was really interesting you yep. guys did a great job with the keynote both you and what Brian talked about um, uh, you said something that really caught my attention I know you've been working uh, on the, the growth bond mm-hmm. uh, so bots for, from a marketing perspective, we hear a lot about bots from more of a customer service perspective. You're, you're focusing on the front end. Yep. Um, but you, you said that um, you think that chatbots is a technology that may be the most important technology over the last, you said decades. Yep. So first of all, I just want to make sure I got that right. You did. Okay, um, and, so the, and the part that I'm most
1: excited about, so chatbots are the, the manifestation, but the underlying trend that's the biggest thing we've seen in two decades is conversational interfaces. Right? That's what a chatbot essentially is, is, right. is allowing you to interact with software um, using either text or voice. And the reason I think that's such a big deal is that, not you know, with all due respect to the, the iPhone and other things that have happened obviously in the last couple of decades, uh, when the iPhone came out, it's like, okay, well, we already had the web. The iPhone came out, yes, we had some plenty new applications that a camera had sensors and things like that, but it wasn't fundamentally life-changing. It was are still interacting with this device? Yes, it was touch and swipe instead of click, right? It was uh, slightly different interaction metaphors, but now with the conversational UI, a couple of things have happened, right? One is people can now express the thing they want in direct terms. They don't have to translate it from the words that are in their head. They just have to say the words that are in their head, and that's enough, right? And for decades, when we've been building software, it's like, oh, well, I say it's an inter- it's an intuitive interface or intuitive website. Right. Well, it's not completely intuitive, ever, because whatever the human's trying to do, they still have to translate into the metaphor that that particular interface is providing. So that's number one reason. Mm-hmm. Number two reason is, from a product management perspective, you know, uh, builders of software, makers have this problem all the time. I've had this problem all the time, is figuring out what to build. What is it my users want to be able to do with an application or a website, whatever it is. Uh, with the conversational UI, you know, what I go every night, I go back. Uh, when I go home, I go through the logs for GrowthBot, and my users tell me what they want to be able to do. Because you know, they'll get 1,000 plus messages a day. You know, some of them the bot already handles. Some of them are marriage proposals and profanity, it's the uh, <laughs> usual on the internet. But then some of them, it's like, oh, that's a reasonable thing to want to be able to do with GrowthBot. It fits right. the, it doesn't have to support it yet. Right. So what I, I don't have to guess and say, oh, well, what, what do people wish they could do? They tell me, and then I go back, and over the weeks and months and years, I go build those things. We've never had that opportunity to kind of blank canvas, let the people dream uh, metaphor. It's like, okay, if you go to a web application, yeah. Yeah, you know, I like, oh, I wish they had this little button or this filter for dates or something like you can think that, but then you'd have to make it take an active action to submit some idea somewhere else to say, oh, can you please build this here? Using the application is providing the idea to the builders. Like, this
0: is what I want. That's the big thing. So that kind of makes sense. Then when uh, I don't know if it was you or Brian that said, you know, businesses over the last decade, they're they're focused on building websites. Mm-hmm. You think going forward, businesses are going to be building bots? Yeah that work with websites, yep. uh, how soon do you see that happen? Uh,
1: I think it'll be pretty soon. I think it's already started happening. There are startups working on it uh, right now. There's a company here called Drift, uh, friends of ours here in Boston, that are kind of in that general area. And I think what's happening here is that uh, you know, much of the kind of software community is now figuring out there's a bunch of things that are happening simultaneously. One is the natural language recognition has gotten much better than it was a year ago, two years ago. Uh, so that's number one. People are much more used to messaging now. Uh, mm-hmm. ordering their Uber or ordering Domino's Pizza or something like that. So it's not that foreign to them. Mm-hmm. So now it's possible to build these things. Um, and The reason I think bots to supplement websites comes back to the, you know, what, humans are fundamentally, I mean this in a positive way, fundamentally lazy, mm-hmm. right? I you could call it more positive ways. They're <laughs> hyper-efficient. They don't want to okay. waste their time, right? And so they come on a website. Let's say they have a, you know, a question in their head. Someone comes to the HubSpot website. It's like, oh, Uh, can I buy this month-to-month as a required annual contract? Let's say that's the question you have. Now, you're not sure if that's, is that on the pricing page, or is that on the terms of service, or is that like, where do I go to get that question answered? In the bot, you just ask the question you have. And in in the early days, what's going to happen is the bots are going to be playing more triage than they are being, like, maybe they can answer 5% of the questions with some reasonable accuracy. But over time, that percentage will go up and up and up because we will have this kind of growing... Uh, knowledge base, the bot will know more and more things. It will learn essentially over time. It's like, okay. Uh, and the other thing, this is, at uh, least not that far off. It's like <laughs> I'm experimenting with it now. So once the bot gets used enough, in the same way as the Google search engine gives you auto suggest. The bots will give you auto suggest, not just based on things like you were type, like you were typing, um, based on what you've done on the website. It's like, oh, I already know you went to the pricing thing. Okay. You were probably, you know, you type two characters. You're probably asking this question to read your mind to some right. degree, right? So you're just like it feels like what you're predicting gonna what someone's
0: going to ask. What role does things like the Amazon Echo, the Alexa, the the voice um, assistance? How is that going to play a role in the growth of chatbots?
1: Um, I think it's going to be big because what, what Amazon, Alexa and Siri and Google Home and all these things essentially teach us, um, which we've sort of forgotten, is to how to be human and just be able to say things, right? Like we're so used to it as like, oh, I need to do something with technology. You know, out comes my phone or I start, you know, clicking around or doing something. Uh, Echo now, it's like, okay, well, people that have had it for a while and I had it when it first came out. It's completely natural now to be sitting at the dining room table trying to settle a debate on some fact thing or play some piece of music or whatever, and you just say it, right? Like, and you get used to that. It feels a little bit weird the first few days, but now it's like, it's, it's natural. So so the devices will help people not feel strange or awkward about saying things to technology or saying things to computers. Uh, it'll become much more natural. Now, the shift that I think will happen, I think uh, Amazon Echo is great. We have three of them in the house. We uh, love it.
0: I know your son loves it.
1: My son loves it. My <laughs> wife loves it, as it turns out. Uh, and what I think is going to happen, the, in my mind, the optimal interaction uh, a year, two years from now, is we're going to have voice as input because we talk much faster than we type. Even for the ones that type relatively really fast, it's just uh, it's a natural thing. That's, uh, so the most efficient form of input into a device would be voice. The most efficient output from a device is not voice, it's visual because we read faster than we can listen to spoken speech. And especially if you have visualizations, if you have a bar chart or something like that, it's like, oh, I want to know the scores for a certain game or I want uh, my traffic from last month. And if you want to show a bar chart or a pie chart, it's hard to describe that in textual, in, in spoken words. It's like, oh, I'm talking to you about a bar and like, Here are the numbers, and they'll just recite numbers, whatever. And like, we don't digest that well. We digest visuals much more easily. So I think the answer is going to be things like uh, Siri, where you talk into it, but the answer comes to you on a, on a screen of some sort right now. It might not be a screen in your hand, it might be floating above you, we don't know, but uh, I think that'll be the primary
0: mode. We'll see. So, uh, 10-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. If we peer out to the future, maybe we'll just go five. Uh, What's the future for HubSpot, Uh, but in more general, what's the future of digital marketing in five years? Is it what we just talked about, or is it something we haven't even kind of conjured up there? Yeah, I think what we're going to see is
1: uh, so there. Are, this has happened in other other industries, but any any activity in marketing that is fundamentally rote and repetitive, um, that doesn't involve a lot of human creativity, those things are going to start moving more and more to software. It's just the right way to do it. It's uh, in, because we shouldn't be spending precious human time on something that computers can do better. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, so that, we're going to see that shift happen, that's just, in my mind, inevitable, and that's going to be the next five years. It's not going to take 10 because things are, are moving quickly enough. So the question is, so even looking at bots, I don't think bots are like the complete answer to everything, but, uh, but the way to think about the marketer's role uh, five years out is to say, number one role the marketer has is understanding the customer, like who are you selling to, how do they think um, actually having face-to-face meetings, I think that is something machines It's going to take a long, long time before uh, they replicate some of those creative functions. The second thing is around uh, what we're going to have is, so when we were building software products and websites, um, the marketers helped write the copy for the website, and then there was a web designer that said, hey, I'm going to go off and help you kind of make that look nice and, and do information architecture and things like that. In a world five years from now, what's going to happen is marketers are going to have much more direct involvement in creating the experience of the company. So it's like, oh, someone lands on our website and clicks on the bot, and they ask this kind of question, what does a copy need to be? So it's, yes, we're going to give them the answer. What does a tone of voice need to be for that answer in order to fit our brand, in order to fit our market, and those kinds of things. So what you'll see is you'll see marketers, uh, similar to how we have web design now, you'll have bot design or interaction design. um, And the nice thing here is that it doesn't require, it requires writing skills, um, but the most important thing is understanding the customer. So you'll be able to sit down and say, yeah, here's how I would like to craft this set of answers to these common questions that our business gets all the time, and, and here's the tone we're trying to emulate. So, in, in the same way, we have style guides. Um, say here's here's the fonts that we use, here's the colors. We're going to have you know, copywriting guidelines. We're going to have interaction guidelines. Like, oh, we uh, do we have a light, amusing tone, or do we have a very a stiff and like, okay, we will give you the answer just the facts and nothing but.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's going to vary from company to company. And the last question, I just as you were talking about this empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, Will, will there be empathy automation or are we going to everything that will allow the human to still kind of use their empathy along with all the other tools that you just talked about so that it's not man versus machine, yep. it's man and machine kind of working hand yeah. in hand? Uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's a great question. I think. Um I think this move to, to machines and to software will actually help us be more empathetic um, to other humans because it frees up time. Like, so uh, I had this kind of glib answer once when, when someone asked me around this kind of man versus machine question around, it's like, oh, well, and you know, I think the question was something like, will machines you know, ever be empathetic or will software ever be uh, empathetic? And my answer is like, well, I've met humans that are not all that empathetic. <laughs> you know, if you've ever traveled on the airline, um, and especially when flights are delayed, that is a complete lack of empathy. Uh, for the given situation, and the reason for that lack of empathy, I'm an optimist and uh, a big believer in, in uh, humans overall, is the lack of empathy occurs uh, when people are stressed out and they don't have enough time to spend, I think their intentions are good, but when you have 2,000 people showing up in line because they need to get rescheduled their flight, right. that stresses the ability for even the best people to, to express empathy, so if we can take those things out, essentially the things that uh, and help us, uh, maybe empathize at scale would be a good thing to think about, it's like, okay, how do we... Take the thing that if the thing I could do if I had infinite amount of time for one individual customer, how do we make that kind of experience possible for 10,000 customers, a million customers? And I think that's where not only software helps,
0: we have to automate some things in order to make that possible. Otherwise, it won't work. There's mm-hmm. no yeah. And make it scale, but make it scale on a consistent level. Yeah. Being able to do it not just once, but exactly predictably, it, and right. consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Our message a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Fun as again. always. Congratulations on the, the making it 10 years. Thank you. Years to another 10.